Hi, welcome to the Holes of Humor podcast show. And today I have something from Darren Paul Rowitz. I think that's pretty close. Uh, well, there I see. I've been corrected by the guesses. Okay, I wrote the book with DX, which is my second overall book. First came out in the late 2018. I have a bi-weekly podcast which I co-produced with Pure Gain Audio, which I launched last year. I write about ten articles a week for various outlets, covering music, food, sports, travel. I've been writing on and off since '98. I'm Go on a quiz trip every month for a tra- as a travel writer, which leads to a lot of upscale kind of covering. It could be totally contradicts all the wrestling coverage I do, been interviewing musicians for about 20 years, have a musical industry background. It's closer to me, or my author buddy, and whatever. But I've, I'll give you the other, we'll talk about that later, but I'm sure Darren will tell me all the links he can tell me for love and money. <laughs> Right, Darren. What inspired well, thank you? Thank you for having me. That, uh, that, that, that's pretty much a lot of what I do, and uh, yeah, you said it well there. <laughs> what What inspired you to get into your career? Hmm, that's a great question. I would say I was always a fan of entertainment. In, in my household, you know, the dinner conversation would always be, "Hey, uh, who was on late night TV last night?" Or, "Hey." Like, what funny stand-up comedy did you see? Or what concerts are looking good? You know, that was the dinner conversation. Pop culture and entertainment. And so it's ingrained in me uh, from a pretty young age to start researching and then ultimately writing. And I started writing as a teenager when I was in high school. I wanted to get, you know, free CDs and free tickets. And then ultimately I realized, wait, you can actually meet these people by interviewing them. So I started doing interviews, and suddenly you realize you're in your late 30s, and it's been 20 years of doing this kind of stuff. Well, I like the fact that you're into wrestling, because I've been a huge fan of wrestling since the days of World of Sport. Oh, yeah. Big Daddy and all that. Yep. And lots of people don't realize um, the hit Britman Hitman Heart came over here, and fam- most of the family came over. He wrestled for a little while as well, didn't they? That sounds about right. And the Hart family, although everyone thinks of them being Canadian and being from Calgary, uh, Bret Hart's parents actually met in my town that I live in called Long Beach, New York. And the first Hart kid was brought, uh, was born here, coincidentally. And so again, they're Canadian, yet really they're from New York in some in some way. Yeah, I... I, I... I think that wrestling now has come a bit tamer than it was. I think the trouble is because old um, the owner has brought with every wrestling organisation known to man and beast, he hasn't got any real competition at the moment. Actually, i got to disagree with that one. Um, Wrestling right now is at really a peak that it hasn't been at in about 15 to 20 years. Now, the WWE right now is the biggest company in the world. I agree with that one. But New Japan, which is out of uh, pretty much out of Tokyo, Japan, it is now uh, on in t- uh, it's on TV networks around the world. They have a big arena show coming up in uh, Dallas, Texas pretty soon, and they sold out Madison Square Garden back in April. So that's a big deal. There's a new company called AEW, which just announced a new TV deal, I think, with Channel 4 there in the UK, uh, and a really big U- US TV deal that's coming on in the fall with Turner Sports. So that's looking pretty big. They have hundreds of millions of dollars uh, committed to their funding. And then there's some smaller companies. There's Impact Wrestling, which is on TV around the world. I forget which UK network that's on. Uh, Honor, I think Channel on 5, I think it's on Spike. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, See, you've got all these companies that are not as big as WWE, but then also the indies. You know, if you want to draw a parallel from indie music, like Rihanna is, you know, one of the biggest artists in the world, or U2. But you know what? There are still indie artists who sell hundreds of thousands of records. And so there's indie companies 
and indie wrestlers who are doing really, really well that are crossing over to the mainstream right now. So as a wrestling fan, it's getting closer to those days of Big Daddy and World of Sport where it was little territories as opposed to national uh, national companies that, that ruled everything. The, the little guys are starting to make some noise. It's about time, I think, as well. Because I, I, I like the fact that they... Um... I like the different styles of wrestling. I used to like sure. um, Emma, mixed martial arts when it was the good old days, when it was proper boxer versus karate or yeah. judo versus jiu-jitsu. But now it's two similar-like type moves, unless you specialise in certain things, but they're more or less the same moves. You know what I mean? some companies in Japan that do well and an interesting thing that we're starting to see is professional wrestlers going into UFC and MMA companies and now we're also seeing MMA fighters going into professional wrestling you know Ronda Rousey went into uh, WWE and she did very well and CM Punk who was a big wrestler went into UFC and he got a couple of big paydays but he didn't do very well yeah my stepson said he watched him and he said he was absolute pants. Is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for lack of a better word, he's very much pants. But he's also started doing broadcasting for MMA. And there's other people who've done well. Um, Jack Swagger was his wrestling name. I think his real name's Jake Hager. He's a rising star in the MMA, uh, MMA world. And then um, from MMA to wrestling, uh, Matt Riddle, I believe is his name, is a top uh, WWE developmental talent at the moment who's really doing well. Do you, I know you, I read your little book about the um, work you did with the fellow, uh, fellow wrestling people with their quotes and uh, sure. things. Thanks I find it, yeah, I find it very interesting. How did you find it talking to the actual people? to do the book with? Was it easy or was it difficult? Some of the quotes in the book, I, I took famous quotes, some of them were based on interviews. So it was a mix of, you know, stuff other people did and stuff I did. And interviewing wrestlers is really unlike interviewing anybody else. Um, there's a lot of similarities between wrestlers and comics. For example, the person that they're portraying on stage is not necessarily the person that they are off stage, you know, sometimes it's them amped up to a 10, and then other times they're just different people. And sometimes wrestlers are very protective, they don't want their true self out there. And then other wrestlers go, No, I'm an entertainer, and uh, this is me, <laughs> this is really who I am, and that's my character. So if you catch a wrestler on a good day, you know, you are treated to just a really inspiring deep well thought person wrestlers are not they're not as simple as the average person would think they're not all i'm going to go out there and beat this person up that's not who they are off stage you know they have to understand psychology to be a wrestler usually they're excellent improv comic level kind of improvisers and some of the people i spoke to for the book are that they're they're just so intriguing and when you think about it if they're doing that well in wrestling they can they can conquer any field if they really set their mind to it well that's why i think they progressed quite well from uh wrestling to acting i mean the rock or dwayne 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 can never uh, johnson yeah, yeah can never remember his real name but he he started very cleverly he did it very slowly and surely and now he's probably one of the biggest paid stars in Hollywood. He's one of them, and Dave Batista. I think he's he's doing it under his real name, Bautista, but he's also doing really well. He's been in both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He has a new movie with Kumail Nanjani coming out, I think called Stuber. Uh, he's a kickboxer, too. He's a real mainstream star. John Cena, huge mainstream star. Randy Orton, I know 
there's a movie coming out soon with Seth Green and Macaulay Culkin. Um, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, who wrote the foreword to the book, he has some projects coming out soon. So we're starting to see these people who started off as wrestlers, or they first became famous as wrestlers, but they found these other careers in acting as entrepreneurs and all that. So that's kind of the focus of the book, that you can really learn from these people who have found success in multiple fields, who can teach you a lot, you know, even if you never wanted to be a wrestler, just watching them is inspiring. I used to like the jobber wrestler, like the Boxton Bruller. You know, they, they, they never won anything, but they got to fight the big, big names. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love some of these guys. You mentioned a, a great one or two right there. The Brooklyn Brawler was a popular one that we had here, and Barry Horowitz. And <laughs> what's actually interesting, if you were to do some math, is a lot of these jobbers, not most of them, but a lot of them, had 20 or 30 year careers. And they got paid pretty well. So when you think about these people and you multiply 20 or 30 years of, of wrestling, semi-full-time or full-time, versus some of these people who were a big deal for two years and faded away, you realize that these jobbers, if you want to call them that, because some of them hate the term jobber, they, they say enhancement talent, uh, some of these people made a lot more money in the business than some of the big stars. Well, I think obviously because... You need these people. That's that's what you need because obviously people they like when you want to push over someone. I think that's the right term. And put them over. Yeah. yeah. And when and 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 you people think, oh, I don't know what he's like. And then you put them in the ring with somebody. You know they're gonna win. I mean, it's so obvious. It's like, oh, how on the hell are they gonna <laughs> win? You know, like he's like six foot plus seven, and they're by five foot four, and no muscles on him like he's built like a brick shit house like you know you think, <laughs> I wonder who's going to win this fight and but you, you still watch it because you want to see what moves they're going to come up with yeah and when you think about it it takes the jobbers and the enhancement talent to make the the person who's going to win look good so it's the kind of case where if you just watch it on the surface okay that guy or that lady beat the hell out of that person they destroy it but then if you take a step back you realize wait no this is like a dance a dance has to be done by two people maybe one person is more dominant or maybe more skilled and is clearly you know <clears throat> pardon me maybe that one person's leading the other person but it does take a cooperation it does take following it does take a partnership and a person that you mentioned before, Bret Hart, is considered one of the greatest people that, in, in the history of the business, he, he could never have a bad match with anyone. The companies would know, well, if we're putting him with Bret Hart, doesn't matter how limited they are, Bret Hart will make sure it's a great match. And you have to figure that's one of the reasons why Bret, Bret Hart had that long career he did. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the Hall of Fame? Because... I think this is, uh, I, I think Macho Man Savage should be in it because he was one of my idols. I, I loved that because he was a crazy idiot. Um, but <laughs> I, I heard there was a re the, the reason behind it was that a certain thing happened to one of the members of the Man family, and that's why he's not allowed to be um, on the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, I might be that, wrong, yeah. Sorry. But either way, yeah, it was something that didn't happen for 15 or so years, and people were scratching their heads going, that's one of the most famous people to ever work in the industry, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, but Coco Beware and certain people are. It had people scratching their heads, but I think what people don't really realize, because some people just watch the wrestling match and they don't think of it as more, as, uh, more than entertainment, and then other people think about it very deeply and profoundly and they care about the people behind the characters what not everybody realizes is to go into the WWE Hall of Fame you're signing some kind of a contract with WWE that includes merchandising terms and appearances and I don't think we're always privy to what's in those contracts so if somebody balks at what's in the contract that might have been why they were not 
Well, I watched a documentary some years ago about how wrestling is done. Yeah, they, they, they and, and, you know, well done, mind, you know, this, they go this move, this is how they go to the ropes, this is when they do the punch, and this is this. And I, like I said, I, like I said to my, we, me and my son have both said, you still have to be highly trained. You still got to know what, how to pick someone up, or how to do that clothesline or how to jump off a rope safely without causing too much damage i think people don't underestimate how well trained they have to be oh of course these people are kind of like stunt people for movie sets meets community theater actors because let's be honest a lot of the storylines they're given aren't quite (laughs) they're not quite feature film character outlines right there but they're people who have to be able to act and perform athletic stunts and be considerate that they're not actually hurting the other person in the ring and at the same time doing in front of this uh, doing this in front of an audience have to be concerned or conscious of the audience and what they're chanting or how they're not reacting like they're supposed to at the same time that there's cameras and uh, so they have to hit the right angles at the same time that there's if it's on television time cues and commercials I mean show me another profession where you have to do all those things a talk show host doesn't have to do body slams drop kicks or jump off the top row a a talk show host has to do that and make their guests look like they're interesting but there's not really a lot of those physical elements there plus most talk shows are not live. If they make a mistake or they run long or something like that, they can just cut it in editing. Not the case with wrestling. Now, I remember the famous one with um, Mankind and The Undertaker. When The Undertaker was on the um, top of the ring. The top of the steel cage, yeah. And he looked down, and for that moment, you could see he was going, what the fuck? <laughs> That wasn't meant to happen. You could see in his eyes that was generally not meant to happen. Yeah. There's different stories out there as to whether that was real, whether that was not real. There's also stories of everybody knew or only these two or three people knew or only the two guys of the match knew. That's one of those things where you've heard, if you really follow wrestling, so many different stories. But the bottom line is this. Mick Foley did that. People are still talking about it 20 years later. He got up after that, continued the match, continued to wrestle regularly another, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. And he is... Have you ever seen Mick Foley, you know, do an interview or do stand-up comedy or anything? I have seen it. It's, it, it I've read some of his... A little bit of his books. He's very, very uh-huh. intelligent. Very intelligent man. Not only is he intelligent, but he is one of the most pleasant and thoughtful people in the history of this business. Everyone loves McFoley. Everyone from the promoters and the writers to the other wrestlers to the backstage people to the fans, everyone loves him. And it's amazing that he's been able to transition into a talking-based kind of thing like doing these one-man shows he's really great at that and so great because what made him popular in the first place was just doing these really brutal matches it was like seeing how much punishment can this guy really really take and now he's doing the opposite it's all based on his words and his acting yeah i i think didn't he lose one of his ears or something happened to his ears Yeah, I mean that's like what? How many, like you said, how many, how many um, American footballers or other athletes that go? Oh my God, I've lost an ear. I must carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, there's certain toughness to wrestlers that it doesn't translate to other sports that are union based. And if you really, really dig through the WWE Network, you'll see uh, Vince McMahon tearing both of his quads while going into the ring at a Royal Rumble event. You'll see, I'm pretty sure, Triple H tearing his quad and finishing a match on there. Um, Unfortunately, um, you 
you see uh, somebody being paralyzed in, in, in a match. But in most of the cases, if, if, if the person you know, pops an arm out of a socket, which we've seen, they'll just reset it and continue the match. You don't really see that in baseball. In baseball, where they get paid even if they don't play because their players' union is so strong, I don't know if that's such a good thing to think about that wrestling doesn't have that union, that protection, that job security. But these are just tough men and women that do the unthinkable and somehow do it 200-plus nights a year. Yeah, I still remember the show where the, the wrestler died. Yeah, I remember that as if it's yesterday, because I remember the the line the line was there, and then suddenly like bang, something happened. You didn't quite see what, because the, the the camera sort of cut away, and you knew right there and then something had seriously had happened. You just knew Absolutely. it. Absolutely, one of the biggest tragedies in the history of that business, and Jim Ross, the announcer, Jr did a podcast a couple of weeks ago where he opened up about what actually happened because he was one of the two broadcasters and he had to do the rest of the pay-per-view, you know, knowing that his friend, longtime friend just died or was critically injured. And again, that's another one of these things where you have people who can improvise like no other fields that, I don't know. I don't know if something like that happened to me that a close friend basically was critically hurt or died in front of me. If I could focus and work for another two hours, I don't think I could. Well, I don't think I could. I mean, there's a lot of criticism that people say they shouldn't have gone on with the show, blah blah blah. But it's easy said and done now. When I look at it again in a sort of devil's advocate way, I thought, well, it would have yeah. been hard to just cancel the show, say sorry. Um, we've got to cancel the show now with like I don't know 20,000 30,000 plus people sitting there going oh yeah that's okay (laughs) I don't think that there is a right answer Um, when you think about the logistics of the whole thing if you just cancel the show okay well there's all this now insurance and refunds and all those grown up things that you don't really want to think about then also you've in a way spoiled the business I mean wrestling has been exposed as being entertainment and not an actual competitive sport but in that era it was still there was a shroud of mystery to it they still weren't openly going well this is fixed like they kind of do now so there could have been a lot of reasons why there could have also been fear of well maybe the people are going to riot if if you know, because remember, it is the United States. It was the middle of America right there in Kansas City. There could be any number of reasons why. I personally think that they should have gone on with the show and see how they compensated Owen Hart's family. Uh, who knows what the right answer is? I, like to, I always say to people, the only reason why wrestling works is you always need a really good, good guy and a really good bad guy. Because mm-hmm. if you have a really good wrestler that everybody hates, they really want him beaten. He's done his job well. And obviously the good guy, if he's selling himself. I think the best one I saw was in... I know uh, Hulk Hogan's turned heel before, but when he turned heel in WCW, the f- mm-hmm. that time, and it was the era of the red and black the first time yeah. I really got sold into that I really thought wow how can you do that <laughs> yeah I think a lot of people did if you rewatch that clip you see people throwing garbage into the ring you actually see if you watch it on YouTube not the WWE Network you see a person try and charge the ring gets into the ring and then he gets stomped by Scott Hall <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that they want to take that out because, um, you know, legal reasons, showing a wrestler beating up a fan. And also they had to edit Hulk Hogan screwing up uh, when he said New World Organization instead of New World Order. That's a, a kind of a funny blooper that uh, I don't think everyone realizes. They've edited So now it sounds like he says New World Order Brother uh, because 
because that's, I guess, the correct number of syllables for organization. Well, whatever it is, um, think about how great of a good guy Hulk Hogan was. I think anybody who can really be a great good guy also has it in them to be a really great bad guy. Um, it doesn't – if you, you know how to work an audience, I think you can just do it just about anything and the rock was a great bad guy and a great good guy still called steve austin the same thing i think the list goes on and on and on about people who could do both really well if they work hard i mean chris jericho hell of a heel hell of a baby face both ways a very good wrestler in his day i think he's sort of lost his edge a bit now obviously but he doesn't concentrate so much on wrestling now does he he does with this new company called AEW, uh, All Elite Wrestling. He's arguably the most famous person in the company. It, it, it remains to be seen if they're going to sign another person who's more famous. It's possible. But the heel work that he's been doing lately is very interesting, like announcing appearances and then canceling on zero notice <laughs> or threatening not to show up to things. He's really taking it to another dimension instead of just, you know, saying, eh, I'm in Boston, I hate Boston, which, you know, of course, has been done to death. Yeah, there's a trouble, isn't it? I know they have to have storylines. I know they have to have a storyline because otherwise you just can't have two men fighting because you're going to think, what are they fighting about? Yeah. And some storylines, I think, were really good. And I thought, oh, great. When they had the uh, DDP one, and he was going off the in- the Undertaker, and he was going mm-hmm. the family. I think he had something happened to him. He had uh, some sort of injury, and that's why he, uh, they had to stop that rivalry. I'm not too sure about that. I think that's right because that would have been a really good rivalry because it was building up very good. Because obviously DDP is excellent at selling himself. He's a great seller. Yeah. actually texting with them yesterday not not that i'm trying to make myself sound like a big deal the angle i'm going instead is he's such an accessible guy for somebody that that is that successful you know a lot of people put up this big barrier so it's i'm famous i'm here you're a fan you're there but if you needed help with something it's not hard to find tdp so when i said hey do you want to write the forward to my book he didn't keep me waiting for two weeks he within a couple hours go i think he wrote yeah bro or sure bro <laughs> whatever it is you know i love ddp and you really cannot find a lot of people who don't love ddp if you think of all the people that are cool with him and he's cool with so he's cool with triple h and rick flair and Shawn michaels and jericho and hulk hogan and I, I don't know if I can think of any of the major guys that don't like DDP. He's cool with every wrestling company. He's cool with tons of people outside of the business. He's respected as a business person. Some of the yoga people may not love him because he's he basically DDP yoga in a lot of ways has nothing to do with yoga. So they look at him, you know, maybe he's exposing their business a little bit. But I really. If I think about it, who, who doesn't love DDP? The fans love him. Well, a lot of people credited him. He got Scott Hall back into a good career again, didn't he? So Scott Hall, Jake Roberts. If you look at the current uh, crop of wrestlers doing really well, so many of them do DDP yoga. AJ Styles, Chris Jericho, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Titus O'Neil, Zack Ryder. And these are the people who outwardly talk about it. I mean, not everybody is going to admit that they do something without getting an endorsement fee, but these are these people regularly talk about doing it. So obviously they've done it, and they've got they've think, oh yeah, this works. Yeah, it does. Have you ever tried it? No, I'm going to have a look one day to see. Um, obviously, there's loads of videos on YouTube or whatever. If I just look up DDP, it could just come up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the app has a 14-day free trial, and it's, it's almost like Netflix, where you choose the workout, and you can stream it whether you're on your phone, your laptop, desktop, tablet, 
it used to be DVD based, but now it's a subscription based on demand thing. And it also is cooking. I sound like I'm a commercial for it, but um, my co-author in, on the book DX, I believe he lost 40 pounds doing DDP yoga. Wow. And I'm, I myself, whether my weight has gone up or gone down, you know, I could never touch the floor or touch my toes before I started doing it. So at the very least, you improved your flexibility. I mean, what do you, what do you think when the, the barista retires? Obviously, they don't. Some don't actually retire. Sometimes it's like a, a year off, isn't yeah. it? They have like a year yeah. break because people don't don't realize they're constantly touring, or if they're not touring, they're doing book signings or uh, radio appearances or TV appearances or endorsements or or something along that line. But what what do you think of wrestlers that retire, and then they come back and then they're not as good as they were? I'm going to give you an example because I think okay. Sting did when he came back into WWE. I don't know why, unless it was to do with storyline or whatever. I think he lost nearly every match. I think you're correct. I, I think he had two matches back in WWE and. He had a serious injury in the second one, and he had to stop there. He lost to Triple H, and I believe he lost to Seth Rollins. And why did he do it? I'm sure it had a wonderful paycheck attached to it. Maybe, you know, there were some people in his life that he wanted them to see, uh, hey, I could still wrestle. And then also he could, in terms of a legacy, you know, if they were doing a new DVD set and all that, they could have the matches from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. I get it from that point. I don't think he did it the right way, though. You know, if I were him, I would have come back in only one tag team or six-man tag team match. Something where you could come in, do your one or two or three cool moves, not break too much of a sweat, but you could still get in the ring. Kind of like how when WWE will occasionally bring a celebrity into a match, they'll have somebody like a Maria Menounos, and obviously Maria Menounos is not a wrestler, but she can get in and do the one or two, three, or four, however many moves, and get the couple of cheers, and then the rest of the world can go, wow, Maria Menounos was in a match. I think that Sting should have been that kind of a scenario where he didn't do so much. And on one hand, he was one of the most influential guys in the history of the business. I think so, at least. And he was there for Flair, and he was there for the NWO, and he had this WWF run, or WWE run, rather. It's great, but maybe he didn't go out on such a high note. Same thing you can say with Goldberg. Yes, that's, he's another one. Um, recently, they had a match. He had a match with Undertaker, and it was voted the worst match ever possible. Ooh, that could that could be that could be. But if you trace back to Goldberg's early days, he never was known for great in-ring work. And you could argue maybe also his promos weren't so great. <laughs> and obviously, his look. His name, his image was a great, great thing, and they did a ton with it, and he was able to have a long career just out of that kind of stuff. So credit to a guy who was able to do that after not doing so great in the NFL. And, you know, what's the difference between Goldberg and the Ultimate Warrior and and a number of people like that? I used to like the Ultimate Warrior, but the time he ran to the ring, he must have been absolutely naked. just a muscle man as they say he spent all this time at the gym uh, like he, was, he looked super cool but uh, you know I, I, I hate to speak ill of the dead of course um, but wow was he terrible and that company thought that he was the future of the business to make him the world champion <laughs> do you remember the um, ultimate madness 
um, tag team. Oh, it's a it's very short-lived thing, though. I, I think I saw one match once, and I read about it, but yeah. I thought they had potential, but obviously they didn't think it did. Well, I, I think that looking back, you have to realize that the company saw how limited he was, so they were kind of thinking... Oh, what else can we do with him? Oh, we'll put him with Macho Man because he's a, a hell of an in-ring performer. Okay, we've done that. Now, what else can we do? Well, hmm. let's see. You got any ideas? I don't, uh, okay, we'll, we'll split up the tag team with Macho Man. There's another feud. Uh, okay, what else do we have? I mean, it's not like they're going to be able to put him with a similar guy that can't move much so it's a miracle that they were able to get you know four or five years out of the guy within the WWF because he really couldn't do very much I used to like the Bushwhackers as well I think they was a very good tag team that were very underrated I think they should have won some sort of title at some point well an amazing thing about the Bushwhackers if you look back at history and if you were to go on Wikipedia right now, look at how old they were. I don't think they got to the WWF until they were in their forties. Are you aware of the career they had before WWF? No, I, I'm not. Sorry, I have to. Oh, it, it, that's okay. You're not nerdy enough, and that's that's totally fine. But in the WWF, they were you know these smiling, shouting, licking guys, and before they came there. They were angry, violent heels. <laughs> I think their name was the Shepherders. You should look it up. They were just scary. Like you would, you would be scared of them if you saw them walking down the street. Just very violent guys. Do, do, I miss the days of ECW. I think they're trying to bring it back in Impact Wrestling. They're trying to bring back the legend of um, ECW because they got. Um, we got Tommy Dreamer. Tommy yeah. Dreamer, yeah. J um Von da Dam. Yeah, yeah. RBD. Sandman. They had the Sandman. My god, that was yeah. back some memories. He's still got the same character. <laughs> he doesn't he looks like he's like pissed when he gets in that ring. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um Impact has brought back those people. Um a few of them appeared on that AEW pay per view. Uh, called All In. Uh, actually, no, no, All In was the original one, and Double or Nothing was the follow-up. They've had some ECW people there, and you still see Shane Douglas wrestling and popping up, and technically Chris Jericho was an ECW guy, and Kurt Angle, I think, had one match or one angle. Uh, Rey Mysterio had a little time there. So ECW reached a lot further than people realized, because... Most people just think ECW, therefore it's Raven and Tommy Dreamer, but Rhino, I think, is still wrestling as well. Yeah, I think he generally had a very personal issues that he had to sort out in his life. Yeah. I mean, I won't yeah. go into detail well, because it's, I, I don't know the man, so it's not fair on him. <laughs> right, but whatever it is, I, I agree that ECW has had a long-term influence we have some of those people in the book, and ECW, I think, gets a bad rap, but you have to think of it, if, if you can, you know, use the music analogy of, with grunge, and the evolution of hip-hop, you know, th there was a big gap in hip-hop from, you know, Kid and Play to Public Enemy, or if you look at rock, there's a big gap between Motley Crue to Nirvana. Would you say they were the uh, punk rock? of the wrestling world. Yeah, it definitely wasn't refined. Um, it doesn't always age well, but it definitely was an alternative to what WWF was doing with characters like Skinner and Repo Man and Freddie Joe Floyd and Barry Horowitz and all those gimmicky kinds of things. It was, it was injecting some reality into wrestling, which... You could say w, uh, WCW did by making him Scott Hall instead of Razor Ramon and Kevin Nash instead of Diesel. 
So I think the influence is still there. And today they announced that Paul Heyman is officially the head of Raw, and Eric Bischoff is officially the head of SmackDown, which no one saw coming. So that's that weird, isn't it? That is influence. definitely weird. Because back in the day, I do think WCW nearly made WWF back then nearly nearly made yeah. bankrupt at one point because they were like the number one for a little while. A lot of people blame it on the fact that he they gave the results of the match between uh, mankind. I don't know who he beat them that time, but they they gave the result. They said, "Oh, you could have watched mankind beat blah blah blah." But I think a lot of WCW's fault was the fact that they they gave too much power to the wrestlers, and then it went downhill seriously. That's one thing, and another thing I think is that they put too much emphasis on signing former WWF people. So, of course, Ultimate Warrior was around for a bit, and Zeus was around for a bit. <laughs> and at a certain point, you look at the WCW roster, and it was basically the remnants of WWF. And, yeah, you can argue, okay, WCW created Goldberg and Sting. Yeah, it did have some homegrown characters, but so much of the roster was former Intercontinental and former World Champions. Well, Impact was very good in its early days, or um, was it, no, it wasn't known as Impact then. Right, TNA, yeah. Yeah, TNA. Um, I mean, you got uh, you had the, all the high flyers. AJ. Yeah. AJ was yeah. huge, huge, huge. I mean, they, that, the day they lost AJ, I think that killed, killed it dead. They've also changed owners a bunch of times and changed head writers a bunch of times and changed brandings a bunch of times and let, you know, Hulk Hogan in and out of the company and he and Bischoff had a big say on things and Vince Russo's been in and out and Jeff Jarrett's been in and out and then there was the while of are they Global Force Wrestling or are they TNA or are they Impact or are they Impact TNA? They had branding issues. They had their while, which you talked about before. Are they ECW now, or are they just randomly doing ECW reunions that they can't call ECW? (laughs) It's one of those things where when you try to please everybody, but in turn you're not pleasing anybody in the process, that's been a lot of TNA, and that's why we overlook the fact that AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and a lot of great people came from there. Yeah, I I preferred it when they did try to do the six sided ring. I thought uh-huh. actually it was a very good idea. I could see that the wrestlers didn't like it because when you saw some of the matches, they would go to the rope and they suddenly would think, "Shit, I've gone to the wrong rope." stepped in a ring and will not be stepping in a ring at any time in my life but I've heard them say that it's harder to bump in the six-sided ring and also the shape of the ring in some way I guess makes it smaller so it's harder to do certain moves in general I do you think that the day of the big man is going and we're going back to the more athletic wrestlers. I mean, we're always going to have the the big guy, obviously. But I think we're going back to the the, the sort of high flying come mixed style of Japanese style, Mexican style, and a bit of um, a European style all mixed in. Because the big guys are okay. I mean, you know, they got strength, blah, 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 pick the guy up, I have a good room. But you sort of say, like, get bored of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think that we're right now in an era where a lot of the smaller guys who would have been at least viewed as smaller guys because they're under 6'1", where they're able to be the top guys. But I think it's 
I think everything right now is becoming, and I don't just mean wrestling, everything is becoming variety-oriented, where you don't want to see just six matches of, of high flyers or six matches of big guys. You want to see some of this, some of that. And uh, if you watch that AEW pay-per-view that they had a month or so ago, they really did switch it up. There was a Lucha match or two. There was a Japanese wrestling match or two. There were some former WWE people. So in other words, you got the old and the new and the tall and the small together. You know, on that AEW show, they had a legless wrestler. I'm not kidding you. They had a wrestler that I would say was 120 pounds on there. (laughs) It was really variety. And I think that captivates people in general. I think I wish them good luck. I think they've got the raw potential to be bigger than they are. They're well-funded. They have a couple of big stars. They have a couple of people who are poised to be huge stars. Um, have you ever seen a wrestler named MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman? Yes, I have heard of him, yes. He is... Oh, I think he only has 30,000 Twitter followers right now. Uh, if he doesn't have 200,000 Twitter followers within a year, I'll be shocked. He really is uh, the future. He's only 22 or 23, and he's already this great and been the world champion of a few indie companies. You know, the sky's the limit with that guy, and that's not the only person on their roster that you look at and go, wow, this guy's the future. I, uh, I, I think it's good that they're doing it because, as you said, the independent ones, you, you can go to really good independent shows. I've been to a couple, we went to a local show some years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately there was only like 20 people that turned up which is sometimes happens but he still carried mm-hmm. on with the show I'll give him the credit he still did a full show and he even did a, like a championship match and they obviously what they did they filmed it but they made sure they mm-hmm. filmed it at the end where the most of the people were you know the, the cheering end instead of the empty yeah. seats you know and I thought well good for you you know at least you try to do it. And we saw um, Giant Haystack some, well, well, years and years ago. Oh, when, yeah. When he's still alive. And what you yeah. saw, when you when you saw him, you didn't see him, first of all, come in the room. You just saw the size of his stomach come in the room. Because <laughs> he was a huge guy. Because originally, he was going to be the, um, like, the, the giant character in WCW before um what's his name now god my memory's bad was he Loch Ness in WCW at one point or something like that he was he was like some bizarre weird name and then yeah. uh, then the um yeah it was a giant wasn't it the giant bloke what's his name Paul White. Paul, Paul White. El Gigante. <laughs> Paul White. Him. Paul White. His real name. Oh yeah, yeah. Paul White, the Big Show. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> he came in and he he, he they sold him over because obviously he was a big guy, you know. Ex, I, yeah. thought, I would have thought he's an ex footballer or ex something. He was, a, I believe, a college basketball player who did really well, and then he had a tumor on his brain that he had to get fixed. And I think they somehow said, you're not allowed to do any more uh, competitive sports. But I don't know how you could not do competitive sports, but do professional wrestling. That part doesn't fully make sense. No, because I've seen some of the knocks they get. I mean, you know, if they if they get a, that tombstone wrong or the, that where yeah. they land on their neck, it could cause some serious problems. Agreed, agreed, but... You know, the, the underlying thing that I really think is that wrestling's at such an interesting time right now. Beyond all the companies that we talked about, there's all the podcasts out there. The podcasts are sometimes more inter- uh, more entertaining and interesting than, than what you see on weekly WWE television. So if you look at all those TV shows, all the podcasts, all these conventions and Comic-Cons that have the legends at them – all these indie shows, all the t-shirts that come out, you really could spend all your free time on wrestling-related stuff, but that might be a little too much wrestling for anybody. 
Yeah, I, as, as I say, I just like it. Look at it as pure escapism. I love the promos. Yeah. I, you know, I love the trash talker they go. Hey, I'm gonna beat that guy. I'm gonna rip. I'm gonna rip his arm off his shoulders. Yeah. I'm gonna stuff it up his ass. <laughs> right. Are you thinking? Yeah, some people watch it for that. Are you thinking? Wow. I mean, obviously, I know they scripted for a sense because obviously. Um, as you said, it's a persona. I mean, it, it's probably them, like you said, like five times up. Yeah, it, it's it's supposed to be them amped up from from where they were. So all that said, you know, tying it all together with with the book, I we kind of wanted to look and say, what can you learn from people who have been successful? in a field where the odds are extremely stacked against them in becoming successful. And so we isolated some of the things that, that, that all of them have in common and some of the things that individual people were able to achieve. And I really think that it's a form of entertainment like no other. Uh, it's a field that's not going away anytime soon. It's a field that's been consistently popular. And most importantly... Wrestling is one of the few things that anyone from any country with any language ability can understand. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? You can watch it in German thinking, oh, I know that move. That's the, um, oh, that's the flip. And, oh, that's the, <laughs> that, that's the clothesline. Oh, that, because you know most of the moves off by heart. I mean, you've seen them so yeah. many, there's only so many basic moves you, they could do, and they're just suspended. It's, it's not just that, but you can look at it, whether it's a match in Germany or Japan or Canada, you can look at it and go, that's the good guy, that's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, because you can tell the way they wrestle, can't you? You're instantly thinking, oh, he's been a bit dirty, so he's obviously the bad guy. All of that is the same. The role of the referee is the same. Um, the fact that unless it's a stipulation match, the person wins it by doing this or this. I know back in World of Sport, it used to be rounds. It used to be a little more scientific, uh, scientific or technical. But in general, you or I, we could watch a match taking place in a country that we don't speak the language of, and we know what's going on here. And you could say the same thing about music. Roughly, you could say the same thing about baseball. But there's just very few things that everyone can understand, and, and wrestling is one of them. I don't understand baseball, but then I could <laughs> I could I could talk about cricket. You probably wouldn't understand cricket, so that's snap on that yeah, one. Yeah, true. That's true, man. <laughs> Do you think the role of the referee is so underrated? Because people don't realise the referee is there to actually sell the the whole story. almost be like an EMT where if they see somebody is hurt they make sure immediate action is taken and at the same time they're there to get messages from the backstage or the announcers or whatever the hey you gotta wrap up right now so that's uh, they're part like tour manager they're part nurse <laughs> they're part um, actor they're all these things at once just like the wrestlers yeah, I thought I'd put that out there because a lot of people think, oh, referee just stands there doing nothing. But if they watch a match properly from the the like normally about half an hour, depending on the quality, the, what they do, what type of match they got, you can see you can you can see sometimes he goes up to the wrestler, he sort of taps him on the shoulder, or does that like a like a sort of code thing, like a sort mm -hmm. of like uh, I, I presume it's like a oh two taps means on finish the match or yeah like a secret word they might go and go or they pass them the little I may be spoiling it for people but when they cut themselves it's normally like a little razor of some sort yeah you know I, you and I are outside of the secret society we're not in the fraternity so we don't know exactly what all the codes are but you have to respect any field that is that takes a lot of pride in who it lets in 
and who it tells its secrets to. And wrestling, it may be exposed as being entertainment and not sport, but there's still a hesitation about letting in people who are going to blow it for everybody else. And you can imagine the refs know more than just about everyone, and the refs are, are not letting on to everything they know. Yeah, I don't mind the fact they say it's entertainment. It doesn't bother me one bit. I'm still going to watch it. I'm yeah. still gonna. I'm still gonna go. God, we really wish it beats that one. Oh, yeah. I like the. Um, I like some of the female wrestlers as well. They they was very underrated for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. But now the females are wrestling just as good as the guys, and they always have done. It's just they're getting more um, exposure instead of wearing the. Oh, we look pretty. Look at us. They're actually doing matches where you think, wow, they could do that. popular people on the independent scene right now are female wrestlers and some of the most popular people in WWE right now are female wrestlers and you look at somebody like Tessa Blanchard who is able to go between companies even though she's with Impact. Tessa Blanchard whose dad was in the Four Horsemen with Ric Flair, she's a big deal. Ronda Rousey she's a big deal. Alexa Bliss, big deal. Britt Baker big deal. And it's a lot different than in the 80s when you could really only name three or four female wrestlers in the world. Uh, Fabulous Moolah, Mae Young, Wendy Richter, maybe Leilani Kai. That's about it. Yeah, you're struggling now, after that, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can't. Maybe the, the Jumping Bomb Angels, but I, I wouldn't know who they were. I just knew the name. Well, maybe but we could now, go Stable and China. Sure, but in the 90s, there weren't more than five female wrestlers that people really cared about. And now there's there's dozens that people care about that earn a living that people want to see the matches of. Maybe maybe over 100, but definitely dozens. Did you see the uh, recent film about the British wrestler that was... Um, the Rock saw the documentary over here of the wrestler, Paige. Um, uh-huh. And um, he saw the, the her wrestling for a video on a documentary. He thought, oh, she was quite good. And he actually started her career. Right. Um, I know he produced the movie, the biopic called Fighting With My Family, which WWE co-produced. And she's from a legendary wrestling family. I don't remember the name of her mom or her dad or her brother who were wrestlers, but... Yeah, that's an inspirational tale, and you know, you talked about the Hearts before. That's a wrestling family, and the Von Erichs and Paige's family. They, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that, like, you know, like it's like people say, "Oh, you've got to be a certain size." But you, uh, you've heard of um, Grado, I presume. Yes, yes. And the then, Scottish icon himself. Yeah, he is very good at setting himself. Because basically, mm-hmm. people look at him and think, oh my God, he can't wrestle. But he obviously, he that's his style. He de- deliberately, you think, oh, he can't. It's a bit like the when the wrestler pretends to be gay. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's a gimmick. And not everybody can see where the gimmick starts and where it ends. And have you ever seen Orange Cassidy? No, that's not a name I've heard of, no. Traditional wrestling fans will probably hate Orange Cassidy, but if you like comedy, you like wrestling, and you like comedy in your wrestling, this guy is awesome. Oh, I, a bit I like um, if you oh sorry about that. You'll hear my clock go off in a minute. You'll know about that. <laughs> People are getting listening, going, "What the hell is that?" Oh, That's magic. my my uh, flying Scotsman clock goes off on the hour. <laughs> I was going to say a bit like the cat British wrestler Cat Weasel. I don't know Cat Weasel, but I'm going to have to look up Cat Weasel. Um, Orange Cassidy is basically supposed to be like a slacker. Uh, like a re- his whole thing is that he doesn't care. So the whole match, he has his hands in his pocket. 
He's low energy, he's lethargic. So he's able to kip up with his hands in his pockets. He gets thrown over the top rope. He pretty much has his hand in his pockets. He runs the rope with his hands in his pocket. It's so funny. It's so entertaining. But obviously he's well trained to do something like that. Absolutely, but if you're one of those wrestling fans who just doesn't think very deeply, you'd go, oh, he's bored. <laughs> you don't see the skill and the training that went into it. But is it you say, some people totally believe it. I mean, we had people in the days of World of Sport where the old lady would hit the bad guy over the head with an umbrella or a shoe <laughs> or a handbag. Yeah. Pushy Big yeah. McManus, he used to get a load of abuse. But he was yeah. one of our best, best bad guys, along with Rollable Rocco. Yeah, yeah, these are good people you're talking about. And I, hey, I love wrestling at face level uh, for what it is, but I love it even more for what really happened behind the scenes, who these people really are, and what sacrifices they made to go into it. Just like some people hear a song and go, I like that song, but then other people want to know who wrote it, who really played on it, what went into making it. Uh, it was it reshaped? Was it rewritten by somebody? I, I love the trivia, and the majority of people are not like that, but I think if you really delve into the history of wrestling and you think about that kind of stuff, it's so intriguing. Well, obviously, they had to all start from virtually nowhere, some of them. I mean, they've, they've, all, they've all toured three or four together in a, camp, a camper van, all shared the same room, they've all virtually yeah. come from nowhere. And like you say, some of them are more accessible than others. I think what we call in England, they get up their own arse, and they, they don't, they don't realise that the fans made them famous. And without the fans, he'd be nothing, you know. Right, but you could say that same thing about actors and musicians. Oh yeah, there's some. Painters. There's some. Oh yeah, some musicians who you think, oh, they won't give me the time of day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As somebody who does a lot of interviews, sometimes I love an artist based on their music, and then I talk to them and I go oh, this has ruined this person for me. I never want to hear their music, or I just struggle to listen to their music because they were so awful to talk with. And then there's other people who didn't love the music. They said, did you want to interview this person? And I did it, and they were such a lovely human being that I'm now a fan for life as a result. And I think it's the same thing with wrestlers. Um, some of them are just so dull or so dumb. <laughs> After you talk to them, not most of them, but some of them, and you go, I, I can never watch their matches again because this is this is. Um, I, I had such a bad experience with Buff Bagwell, <laughs> and I can't watch any of his matches ever again. Right, I'm gonna be back in a minute because I've got to go for a pee. Sure, sure. You know what it's like when you've got to go, you've got to go. <laughs> yeah, well, thinking of got to go, I got another five minutes or so, and then uh, we'll call it a day. But, oh, yeah, that's fine, uh, no, yeah. fine, that's no problem. Um, I know you're a busy man, and I appreciate your time of day. Um, oh, just, my pleasure, my pleasure. Just mention where people can find your writing, your books, and anything else you would like to mention. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, if you just put my name, Darren Paltrowitz, into Google, It'll pretty much lead you to the podcast, which is called The Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. It'll lead you to the books that I've written, which are on Amazon. It'll lead you to the articles and all that. And if you go to paltrowitz.com, again, like Gwyneth Paltrow with an I-T-Z at the end, if, if you just go there, I'll click to everything, all the YouTube videos and whatnot. But 
you know, I'm always happy to hear from people who read the books and listen to the podcast and all that. Happy to offer advice if there's any help that I could ever give. And really, it's it's great to talk to somebody like you who read the book, who did the research, who's a, a fan of the, the genre and all that. It's That's been the most one of the most rewarding things about writing this book, talking to great people like yourself. I can recommend something to you if you're into alternative music, alternative style stuff. I draw sure. a cartoon for a mag- online magazine called Gonzo, G-O-N-Z-O, Weekly. Okay. I'm, that's going on my homework tonight. Thank uh, you. That's all right. I, I saw that you're very prolific on SoundCloud uh, and YouTube, so you're, you're quite a prolific artist yourself there. Well, I try to be. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've got so many fingers and so many pies. I've even forget what pies I'm into. But, <laughs> but um, well, no, looking forward to those cartoons. Thank you, man. Oh, that's right. And um, and um, I like normally I I'm gonna I normally ask my guests to do a new sign off because I myself do a new sign off. But I think we should do it in a wrestling style. I think okay. you you should be the bad guy. I'll be the good guy. I'll do. I'll, I'll sort of. Hey, Darren, I'm gonna beat your ass. I'm fed up with your talking. You talk crap. Well, that's what you think, but. Hey, you're not even worth it. Don't you say that, man. I'm gonna come <laughs> out of your house. I'm gonna feed your dog with sausages. I just thought, just because we're doing wrestling, we'd just do a little bit like that. I thought, why not? <laughs> and I think to think it, he wasn't expecting it. has me inspired. How lethargic he is. That's, that's really inspiring. The, the lethargic heel. <laughs> yeah. We could, you could write, a, yeah, I'll write that in your pod, 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 blog post. The story, the lethargic okay. heel. I look forward to reading that. Right, uh, thank you for being my guest. I know you have other things to do, my friend. I appreciate this. I will send it as probably tomorrow morning. And I'll make sure I put the right name down because I do spell things wrong sometimes. People say, you spelled my name wrong. I don't mean to do it. Don't no, it, it was my pleasure. And if, if I were doing that heel promo, I would have said, hey, the pleasure was all yours. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, no, it, it was great to speak with you, man. And keep me posted and let me know what it's posted. Uh, and I'll share it as well on my social media. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. Thanks. You too now. Take care. Bye.